0: TODAY ON LAURA Lin AND FRIENDS. IT PRESENTS uh, FOREIGN SPIKE PROTEINS IN THE HEART MUSCLE SO THAT WHITE BLOOD CELLS GO AND ATTACK AND EAT THE HEART MUSCLE CELLS. SO THE SPIKE PROTEIN IS THE BIOWEAPON.
1: HELLO EVERYONE AND WELCOME TO THE BEGINNING OF THE LAST DAYS. Uh, I WANT TO READ TO YOU FROM MY my DAD'S BIBLE. Uh, I JUST OPENED IT RIGHT UP AND THERE WAS THIS. TODAY I THOUGHT IT WAS GOOD. Um, So in Hebrews 10, verse 26, it says, For if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries." You know, after you have been informed of the truth and and maybe you even know it in your heart and then you decide, well, I'm not going to pay any attention to that and I'm just going to sin willfully, like you give yourself over uh, to doing these things that are harmful to you, then, you know, God's no fool, is he? Like we always talk about, oh, God's gracious, you know, let's be loving and gracious. Yes, yes, yes. But you see, God is a God of justice as well. And so when we willfully sin, God knows it. So let's not do that. I'm, I want to make a commitment with you, all of us. We're not going to do that, right? Yay! JT put his uh, thumbs up to that. Okay, it's all good. Um, so mm, I just wonder about this this kind of sin that happens in our country. So CTV says there, there's still no foreign interference report publicly available from the panel Tasked with flagging foreign interference in the 2021 election. Now, are you guys paying attention to this? I do. That have this on a share, JT. I don't know if that'll make any difference, but because um, yours looks just as good, that's fine. So basically, the the Chinese government, you guys, it looks like they did a bunch of things. They had they paid for people to go out and go door to door. They ran smear campaigns that turned out not to be true on people that were uh, conservatives, I guess. So, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau says that he's looking forward to seeing the report when it's complete. But he told reporters the public service is best placed is the best place to answer questions about why the report hasn't been released. And he basically says, you know, listen, uh, we we had the election and I won. Um, you know, I guess this is the way it's meant to be, in God's timing. Um, well, a lot of people saying maybe you won because the Chinese foreign interference, which is now having to be made a report on, which is taking an awful long time, maybe we've got a problem here, the same as some other countries around the world have been noticing. So here's the skinny on the CBC incomes uh, of their full-time employees. This is a cool thing to know. Uh, cool, You know, they are... Wow, I mean, you know, JT, if we had these kind of incomes, right, we'd be, like, living the dream. So a lot of money is being spent uh, taking care of everyone. A lot of, that's, like, millions, like 59.5 million So 14 to, to 15% are making more than $100,000 there at CBC. Wow, you lucky guys. Oh, man, no wonder you don't care about telling the truth you're getting paid so much to lie. I mean, it's just shocking. Okay, so President Trump, I just wanna go through this very briefly because we have got to get to our guest. She is amazing. Karen Kingston is back with us and then Carrie Simpson's gonna join us later to talk about digital ID. But uh, President Trump departs from a pre-planned event to visit East Palestine. Take a look at his greeting. Judge just went today, I think. Buttigieg uh, didn't get as warm a greeting. And so, apparently, Trump sent all this food in advance. He brought water for everyone. Oh, and they just love him. So, you know, uh, people might want to criticize and say, hey, well, what's Trump, you know, doing, going down there? That's not his job. Well, whose job is it? Oh, I think Pete Buttigieg, but he hasn't been anywhere to be found. Right? Oh, we have a clip of his, yeah. Why did it take you three weeks can, then, Can you I go to judge? My
2: answer to the first, well, we're uh, saying it's too to little too question.
1: late because it took you three weeks to get here, and then you used the I'm excuse the that, it was, that it was, oh, there's a thousand, thousand train derailments it. in the USA every single year. Is that okay did to you, you as the Department of so Transportation Secretary?
2: I can't tell of, uh, the question is, I'm on way to answer a lot the of questions The question questions is, do you think that you've done right a good job
1: as the uh, you know, secretary of the Department of Transportation.
2: Yes, I'm proud of what uh, FRA and FIMSA have done here from day one, from the first minutes or at least the first hours of this response. Uh, what I'm really proud, proud of, of is it. the community that I saw here. You've got federal <laughs> agencies, you've got local first responders, you've got states, but most of all, you got a community that's been through a lot that I oh, think wow. is pretty frustrated so with sad. people trying to take political advantage of this situation, and my focus is going to be to make sure that our freight rail system gets safer. And anybody who wants to take political advantage of this, I'm calling them to the table to Politics find out whether how they are, are for how are or you going against. How fix that, though? Well, I would start by referring you to the whole plan that we put out the other day, and I'll be speaking more about this with the very quickly. Uh, you, you can find Just all three online. Pull of but, points. Yeah, sure. Uh, Worked with Congress to raise the fines, uh, the caps on fines. Our own work on things like focused inspections and the two-person crew. Uh money role. there now. Like you're uh, doing and for Ukraine. Uh, another thing that railroad companies don't have to wait on us to require them to do, which is getting better information to local. Mr. Secretary,
1: do we have to listen anymore? While there was a happening here. can we, here? Here? we also ask too why it? Uh, you know, he waited until President Donald Trump came oh, here. Oh, so this is
3: the press secretary, Rudy judges press secretary. I I'm, I'm happy to have a conversation with you. I do not want. Well, have a she doesn't Do you want to be credit. on camera. She's the press
1: secretary's assistant. She doesn't want to be on camera, but she'll gladly answer questions. But just off camera. Oh, people like to be off camera, don't they? The thing is, the camera doesn't lie. You know what I mean? So now, can we move on? Because I'm so excited. I want to talk to Karen. All right. Okay. So, anyways, they're they're just a bunch of crazy people down there. Um, so, understand. Pete Buttigieg, he's the Minister of Transport, right, or, or Highways and Transportation. So this last year, he and his partner, uh, you know, to, they're in their their uh, gay uh, marriage and everything or whatever. I don't even know if they're married, just living in sin. I don't know. I think they're married. And they adopted two twins. So what does he do as the Minister of Transport? He takes paternity leave. So he's off like the whole time. Trains are flying off the tracks. Never seen so many you know hazardous waste uh, trucks being blown up and all of that. And isn't it interesting? I heard that White noise, that movie White Noise, was actually created. Uh, it was made, and it told a story, you know, a fictitious story about a place called East Palestine where a truck and a train collide and um, a gas is released into the air. That was about a year ago. Hmm, so funny, eh? It's, it's interesting. I mean, it's always funny how the Simpsons knew everything that was going to happen. Uh, if you want a, a good prophet, you should watch the Simpsons. Whatever they're saying is going to happen, that'll be it. Uh, is it on anymore or they're done? They're still going? Oh, we, we better watch that. Uh, you know, maybe some of the best uh, prophetic um, predictions come from there. I don't know. Uh, okay, so uh, soya and insect burgers Remember, we are committed together. You and me have made a pact that we're not going to eat bugs, so we're not going to do none of this stuff. It's not good for you. Don't do it. Resist. Um, the Matt Walsh show. The Matt Walsh show. The truth is ugly when it comes to gender ideology. Just want to put. You know, he's been kind of tracking down how uh, men are going into women's bathrooms, and then uh, how. Men can say that they're women, and all of a sudden they're winning the golds, stuff like that. Well, this is uh, sort of an interesting thing he had to say.
3: Okay, they all agree that I'm right, that what I said is factually correct, but they think that it goes too far by saying it out loud. Mulvaney's the one running around like some cartoon of a woman passing out tampons in the women's room and meeting with the president to defend the mutilation of children. But I went too far. Well, see, this is where we differ, because in the culture war. I don't think it's possible to go too far by speaking truth. The truth is the truth. It is what it is. It's the reality. Are we going to defend it or are we going to conceal it? Are we going to embrace it? Are we going to hide from it? You can't have it both ways. When it comes to gender ideology, the truth is ugly. It is brutal and harsh and disgusting. I wish it wasn't that way, but it is. I didn't make it that way. I didn't create the ugliness. I'm merely pointing to it and saying, look at this. Look at it for what it is. But you would rather that I soften the blow a little bit, that I dress the truth up to make it prettier, more palatable. You want me to lie to protect the feelings of our enemies. And make no mistake, Dylan Mulvaney is our enemy. He is an open, visible, active, and passionate advocate for the abuse of children, the war on fundamental truth, and the destruction of human society as we know it. You wish to defeat this man in a manner that will not make him feel bad about himself, but I'm here to tell you that you are delusional. I'm not going to protect your feelings any more than I'll protect his. You are deluding yourself. We got into this position in our culture precisely by valuing politeness over truth. We got here by doing exactly as you would have me continue doing and what you blame me for not doing. We got here by refusing to speak the plain truth and by allowing the anti-truth brigade to emotionally blackmail us into silence. They use their own mental fragility as a cudgel to beat us into submission.
1: Right. People want all of us to just be nice while crazy mayhem's going on and lies are being taught to our children and we're just supposed to, yeah. You know, you want us to tame it down. Well, the truth is the truth. So we have to speak it. And I like the truth. I like it just straight up. I like when people tell me the truth. Do I always like things that other people say when I think it's ridiculous? No, I don't. But guess what? Free country. If we have freedom, we need to be able to speak things that upset others. That's freedom. We need to be able to do that. So take a look at this website then. Interestingly, in Tennessee, and this is where Matt Walsh is from. Tennessee bill to ban sex change procedures on minors advances to the governor's desk. So you see, sometimes we're getting through. Sometimes we're we're starting to get there. In Canada, for some reason, we are behind the United States because a lot of stuff is happening and the courts keep siding, you know, with, with crazy. Oh, unbelievable what's going on right now. So a bold and brave teenager from... Uh, Rosemount High School in Minnesota gives a riveting speech. Oh, this is great, isn't it? But did, did you break it down a little bit? Yeah, oh, good, 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 let's do this. So I love this kid, take a look, wouldn't you be proud. At the end of this video, this kid quits his school and he says he's going to be homeschooled because he's not taking it, take a look.
4: There is clearly only one way to think in this district and that is that they are teaching their kids to shut up if they don't agree. Now members of the board, I want you to take a good look at yourselves in the mirror tonight and ask, are you really standing up for the equality of all people, or are you just pushing a damaging political ideology um, on, on our students? A fellow coworker at my job, who by the way is of color, discreetly told me that the schools seemed to be pushing a very leftist agenda in class. This proved that not everyone is happy with your school, and not everyone who isn't happy is white. Now, due to all these instances I've mentioned and many more that I can't fit in this five-minute speech, I've decided to leave this district and continue school on a private Christian school online. And, and there will be sacrifices, and I will not get to walk in the graduation ceremony or attend milestones at RHS, but I will be able to learn in an environment that is not intent on punishing me daily for my skin color and political views. Now, regardless of how you take my speech, whether you just shrug it off as malarkey or Fox News talking points, I encourage you to think about it because someday I'm going to be a leader. I may be the president, a governor, or just a professional golfer, but I will never stop believing that everybody has value no matter their skin color or personal beliefs. And it's a shame that you're not gonna be able to say that I was an alumni of RHS in District 196. Thank you.
1: I'm, I'm sick and tired of this. Like- uh, you, you know, it's all about racism as you judge people based on their skin colour being white. Nobody gets to choose this. Nobody, so stop. Let's not, let's not continue in, you know, pinning people and pointing people out based on their skin colour. Let's talk about character, integrity, uh, the, the kindness in a person's um, heart, their humanity. Let's work together. Let's do all of that, but we don't have to keep pitting people against each other based on their skin colour. And this young man's calling it out because that's what they're doing to the next generation. You should be ashamed of what? What your forefathers did? You know, thank God the Republicans uh, outlawed slavery. Thank God, you know, that uh, the, the Democrats were done in because of what they were doing to the slaves. And yet... And yet, mostly, a lot of, uh, you know, African Americans are still convinced somehow that it's the Democrats. You should hear some of the things Biden, how racist Biden was, all of the racist things that Biden has said, you know? And so we're coming out of that. And this guy, um, he pointed out that he's never thought so much about race ever until you have to keep pointing out how bad it is, you know, that he's a white kid and... And you got to do these reparations. And meanwhile, he's never been a slave owner. The, the kid he's sitting with's never been a slave. Their parents haven't been slaves, you know. And, and we're all like, of course, that's behind us. And by the way, the whole world had slaves. Africa had slaves, just so you know. So enough already. Let's get past it. Let's love each other and move on. Okay, a bold and brave teenager, oh no, I already did that one, sorry. So breaking Dr. John Little, and we are trying to get him kicked out of Florida's Sarasota Memorial Hospital board meeting after testifying to the effectiveness of Ivermectin to treat COVID-19. So this doctor gets kicked out. Take a look.
2: What were the outcomes that we had? And we used an independent third party who basically said
4: we had 24% better outcomes than our peer group.
1: I
3: just to let her know, I'm wearing this white no coat, I'm not employed, yeah, I'm sir,
2: not a contracted please. physician, sir, please I'm please able to speak my mind. That's why I asked yes, her. I so I said, thank you for your advocacy, for patients this is how it's done, done here. here. All right, second thing was, is to follow the line, I of a numbers guide and did the hospital benefit, or was there a... Any- yeah. yeah. Sir, not I love here. how the guy yeah. in the yeah. background sings. you can... Lab sing.
1: lab you can- so you can't
3: videotape
2: him, what are we doing to him? <laughs> Interesting. He said I can't video
3: what's happening out there. That up, for the
1: patient, not out. All right, so um, kind of crazy world. Doctors don't get to speak. and. Um, Follow the money. Karen Kingston is a pharmaceutical and medical device business analyst. She has over 20 years of experience in business development, marketing, sales, public speaking, and strategic consulting. And uh, we are going to welcome her on. Thank you very much for being here, Karen. Uh, I appreciate every time you're on, you are really a warrior. You are out there, boots on the ground, uh, trying to figure out, you know, All the pieces to the puzzle of everything that we've been through. So I welcome you to the show and I'd love you to tell us what you've been working on lately.
0: Thank you for having me, Laura. I really appreciate it. So talking about follow the money and boots on the ground, I was recently in Naples, Florida. Uh, The county there is Collier County and I worked with the commissioners to send back a 1.4 million dollar NIH grant that they received um, I would say under the guise of public health and wellness and primarily for the promotion of CDC guidelines in regards to COVID-19, including the, uh, in, you know, the promotion of the experimental injection. So it was, um, a, it was great. I was able to meet with four out of the five commissioners one-on-one. I sent a follow-up email and it's free on my substack. It's a letter. I recommend people go to KarenKingston.substack and read the commissioner's letter and um after i sent that letter commissioner hall championed to have me speak to the five commissioners in the government building and in front of 200 residents and um, i recommend people stay stay tuned for the second half of our talk because i will share what i shared with them where they realized that they needed to take action and sever ties with these three-letter agencies or be complicit in a crime so it was a really big win it was a very big win um, and, uh, the, uh, public health wellness, uh, the CEO of the organization that was the subcontractor that received the grant. Um, he showed up to speak, um, in defense of keeping the money. Uh, and unfortunately for him, I had copies of his documents and letters and his written words were disingenuous. So it was, it was quite the, um, quite the meaning and also because I was in Florida. Uh, where governor DeSantis is, he started a, he's starting an investigation, but also surgeon general Latipo is his surgeon general for the state of Florida and, and Dr. Surgeon general Latipo recommends against the COVID-19 injections for children and healthy males. And I was able to play an audio of Dr. Latipo recommending against this. And I also took a look at the data that surgeon Latipo did when he did an analysis of those who um, experienced uh, cardiac related deaths in the state of Florida. And his numbers were the same numbers that they found in Bears for the entire country. So I I, I joked, I said, I was very grateful to speak in one of the counties of the um, free United States of Florida when I first got up there to speak, so.
1: And and Florida has been truly amazing actually in just leading the way Governor DeSantis, uh, you know, what an incredible guy. Um, so Karen, did you feel that, that this is the beginning of maybe some winds that are going to keep coming because are you watching all the information coming out? What do you think? The, the trajectory seems to be kind of good as information flows that we'll see more wins.
0: Yeah. Like I said, I, I recommend people, you tune into the second half, but, um, Lee County, which is right next door to Collier County in Florida Um, The the Republican party there got an ordinance um, to demand for the recall and the seize of all the COVID-19 injections in the state of Florida. And so that's going in front of Governor DeSantis. Now, we're not expecting it to have a lot of teeth, but it is raising awareness. Um, Children's Health Defense just asked me to help with some of the cases here in California because of the evidence I presented. And I've had several people in Idaho um, reach out to me because they they, they want to make it a misdemeanor for the mRNA injections. But the laws in America are that it's a felony. Um, so we, we shouldn't downgrade it to a misdemeanor. So things are are happening and um, state attorneys want to meet with me. Um, so I, I, we're going into criminal um, prosecution at this point. And, you know, there, there is a responsibility by the manufacturers. Um, keep in mind, and I'm gonna speak like when Pfizer conducted the trials under their contract with the military, they say they're gonna operate as the independent safety review board. So they, they need to adhere to the Food and Drug Consumer Protection Act uh, and to the Public Health um, Safety Act. And they forfeited um, a lot of the immunity that they had in their contract. They said they're gonna forfeit um, this may be safe, may be effective. They said they would adhere to specific uh, laws under the Food and Drug Consumer Protection Act. So when they didn't act um, in adherence to the laws as an independent safety review board, um, that was a criminal act. And and people just didn't know how to, people just didn't understand the contracts and the documents. Um, and that's what I do for a living. I, I mean, I used to write, read all the phase three data, and then I would simplify that so that physicians could understand the information and then i knew to add the fair balance which is why you know every other product uh laura you know we always hear like okay if you take this drug for hypertension you you could have a heart attack you could
1: have a stroke
0: you could have
1: uh narcolepsy like on those you commercials know. so by the time you know on tv when they do the commercials like hey if you're yeah. struggling with this you should take this but by the way you know you you could die but i know <laughs> yeah, yeah, I by mean, the way you could die but you, why you, have to
0: disclose, no. you have to disclose that information but what's worse than that is that not only did they not disclose the information in the documents pfizer told the fda hey 409 people became severely ill within one week of the first or second dose we don't know if it was from our shot or from a virus therefore don't count it they said oh 1600 people became ill um, within less than two months we don't know why just don't count that information so that's not um, that is not uh, legally uh, regulatory compliant research. It's criminal in nature, and 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 that's what people haven't been able to articulate yet. And so that's what I was able to articulate with the commissioners and the sheriffs and some of the state attorneys is that as we go through the documentation and they see the criminality that led up to the promotion of safe and effective vaccines. Which were fraudulently promoted based on this criminal experimentation, they realize that we're now um, we're we're not talking about crimes. We're not talking about um, you know uh, oh this is a vaccine that went wrong or it was mislabeled. It's it's a it's a different it's a different code in the United States. It's criminal code, so it, it comes out of the Food and Drug uh, Code and goes into a different criminal code. So okay, it was well- a really. Interesting, but I I recommend, again, people go to Karen Kingston Substack, the commissioner's letter, and, um, you know, print it out, talk, all the links are there, you can go to the original documents, and, you know, get a community, I recommend a community of moms, like, go through it and figure out, like, how you want to articulate this information to leaders in your community. because that's how we win this war. It, it is. I, I do believe it's going to be moms showing up and saying enough is enough. And uh, we, regardless of our profession, our education level, uh, and even our vaccine status, we were all manipulated and lied to at some level. As Surgeon General Lattimore said himself, he said people were not being honest, and now he's doing his best to be honest. And so we need to put out the truth. Not worry about being socially or politically incorrect, you know, in order to protect our communities and our children. And and you need to talk to people one on one because really that was the most interesting thing. Whether I was talking to a government leader or I was talking to law enforcement or I was talking to a victim, when I showed them for their own eyes Pfizer's documents and the FDA's documents, you could see um, you could see. I mean, the victims became angry one of the sheriffs teared up because they realized they had participated in this and they had taken an oath to protect their community and they realized that they had participated in the harm but they're willing to now change course and that's that's what's so important is not you know is that we all were deceived and 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 we can all now make a choice to um change direction and boldly share the truth and and boldly ask and demand uh, that those who lied to us and deceived us intentionally, which in my opinion is the manufacturers, um, we can
1: we can hold them to account. Well, this is so important uh, to have this information uh, for it to be readily available and and for people to understand it. And when you say that you kind of disseminate information and break it down so that doctors can understand it, like I'm like, yes. oh no. I mean, I appreciate that because if it's hard for doctors to understand, do you, ima- can you imagine the disadvantage the world has been at? Like we're not trained, we're not even nurses, and we didn't even barely. I did take a first aid course a long time ago. It taught me nothing about how to discern what's going on at this hour in history, and uh, so we have got the link to the um, to the to the Rumble uh, show, and that is in the comments, guys. On YouTube and Facebook. And we're going to find out a lot more about the specifics of what Karen Kingston is talking about. Um, so let's, let's head there now. And, um, um, yeah, yeah. You just stay there. We're good. And also, um, letting everybody know to always subscribe over there because that will give you a notification that we're coming up over there and we don't want to miss what's happening. Karen, I do appreciate goodbye. Facebook. Goodbye. YouTube. We love you. Um, so, I do appreciate that you do make this simple. And I always come away from the interviews with you absolutely feeling so much more informed and in shock about the truth of what has happened. So, when you say things like that, Pfizer basically has this information, um, can you say that again? Let everyone know. Like, Pfizer, they had to kind of disclose some things. I believe that people even died during the trials, did they not? But yeah. it just, yeah. it just, wasn't really publicized. Well, because Pfizer, the
0: trials were not fraudulent under, um, the food and drug consumer protection act, because fraud means that, um, Pfizer did not disclose information to the FDA, they disclosed it. And then they ordered the FDA to not make the details public and it's in the documents, so but because of the injuries illnesses harms and death that were caused they were in violation of the safety laws that they were contracted to adhere to and that's what made it criminal so um yeah and so what i would do is if the phase three data is submitted and this is the unfortunate truth there's charts and graphs that are in you know these 40 page 50 page documents and that's what the pharmaceutical companies say to the fda They go just look at the chart and graph just look at this don't read all the other pages now i used to have to go through and read all the other pages because that's where i pulled the fair balance from and um it's also it would be kind of ammo in your back pocket if you had a competitor that was giving you a hard time about. Saying your product was safe, you can go into their phase three trials and and find stuff to use against them. I mean, it's a uh, not many people in my industry know this trick. I know it. That's why they kind of call me the cleaner. Um, so that's what, I know, yeah, yeah. So that that's it. what i was showing to 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 the law enforcement and to the commissioners, and I can I can show folks yeah. the data. Yeah. yeah, let's let's please show so, us. Uh, Jt to- wants to go. Uh, Right up, he can he can skip over the first these the, these first seven slides are just this is that crazy information that the CDC wanted them to to to, to um, send out give out Go, yeah this was Surgeon General Latapo saying um, this is his words um, he said most Americans would be surprised to hear that the COVID nineteen mRNA vaccines are associated with an increased risk of appendicitis Bell's palsy shingles which can be severe change in sperm motility and sperm function. Sperm, And most recently, we are finding that they are present in breast milk. I've covered that on your show too. And early on in the pandemic, we tried to be honest, and we called things out when they were not honest. And that's what Matt Walsh is saying too, and that's that's what I said to the commissioners, is that we cannot continue to go along with lies and a plan to harm the residents of your county and, and the citizens of the United States and the citizens of Canada Because we're afraid of not being socially acceptable or politically correct or to lose financial incentives, you know, and I also pointed out that you cannot take uh, the opinion of a medical expert, you know, as much as they may want to opine that these products are safe, they're financially incentivized to do so. So it's biased, you know, and and if they're part of a crime, they're not going to then testify against themselves. That's I mean, that's our fifth amendment. Um, So you, you need to just take a look, as I do in my industry. What does a contract say? What does the data say? And what does the law say? So I think the next slide jumps right into that stuff. Okay. We wanna go into it. Um, the VAERS data, I think everyone's familiar with that. That's the next one, the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. This is Surgeon General Ladapo's looked at cardiac related deaths in the state of Florida. We're gonna get to that because this information is shocking. So just keep going. It's related to the VAERS. So in VARES, in the United States, there's 16,800 deaths um, total. Now we know that's underreported by a factor of about 40 or hundred. So you're looking probably closer to a million deaths you know, um, so far, but they only reported 16,000 in all of America for all vaccines, for all age groups and all genders. That's it. So if you go on to the next slide, let's take a look at what surgeon Latipo found. Oh, before we get to that, Pfizer knew this was going to happen as did Moderna. They met on October 22nd, 2020. So that was six weeks prior to the December 11th authorization. And they listed out these, everyone's seen this so many times, these two dozen outcomes. These are the clinical outcomes of the COVID-19 injections and it's swelling of the spinal cord, the brain, convulsions, seizures, stroke, heart attack. Myocarditis, pericarditis, autoimmune disease, death, uh, birth defects, spontaneous abortions, disseminated intravascular coagulation—that is just a fancy word for blood clots throughout your entire body—and uh, thrombocytopenia, your blood cells, um, you know, blowing up. So a lot of people thought, well, they they started realizing this in the phase one two trials. That's not true, Laura. They knew about this from the quote unquote cancer research that they had been doing. decades going as far back as 1989 and they did research also in rare autoimmune disease so this lipid nanoparticle technology the, the what they call a cationic liposome is one of the first technologies that was used they knew it caused these severe illnesses harm injuries disabilities and death and many people would die within days of getting within hours or days of getting this nanoparticle technology injected into them that risk benefit go on to the next slide that was acceptable for someone who was given a few days or weeks left to live but that's not acceptable to a child or a young healthy adult or even a senior you know who has years left to live never mind a child so this was in violation of the fda law twenty one three six zero and i think it's or well, 312 any human subject cannot be exposed to unreasonable significant risk of illness or injury so, they should have never moved past the phase one trials, never mind then unleash an experimental product on a civilian population in the United States or globally. Because they did that, that is criminal experimentation. Criminal experimentation with a biological agent is known as a bioweapon. And we're going to go into more evidence. Does that make sense?
1: Oh, yeah, it does. It's fantastic. Yeah.
0: Keep it's criminal us.
1: experimentation. oh yeah and the
0: fact that they got fda approved but albert berla the ceo keeps saying how oh we're still under the experimentation eua law he's shooting himself in the foot because it's criminal experimentation because under their contract i don't have it they said they're going to adhere to section 360 bbb and and this section as well and they're going to make sure the vaccine was safe that the benefits would outweigh the risk so they're in trouble themselves right if people yeah so let's keep we'll keep going through this um i just want to oh and then for the children um there's no crime i mean there's no punishment that is severe enough for what they did to the children they met in june of 2021 and again what does the law say you cannot put a human subject at greater risk than the the benefit, right? The 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 benefit must outweigh the risk. Well, in June of 2021, the FDA says in their own document, depending on epidemiological trends, so depending on where this virus is spreading, allegedly throughout America, an adequately powered clinical endpoint efficacy trial with sufficient cases, so people that children who are diagnosed with a positive case of COVID-19 may be very difficult, if not impossible to conduct. So they said children don't get the disease. So there's only risk to the children. Again, this is called this is criminal experimentation with a bioweapon. That's that's our law in the United States. Unfortunately, in Canada, I, just, I did try to look up your laws real quick, and it looks like um, they're, they're simply adhering to the uh, Convention for Biological and Toxins Warfare. It's a global treaty. In, in the United States of America, we have federal laws against the use of bioweapons, and every state has laws against the bioweapons. And what I'm doing is I'm moving forward to prosecute the manufacturers under state laws by county, and they can even serve up to 10 years in prison for simply displaying a bioweapon. So just by putting a website up. Wow. I know. I got them. Oh, we got, got I mean, them. I know we got them.
1: Uh, when, yeah, and and you know this is, this is so exciting because yeah. th- we just have to keep having all of this evidence and and we need some of these things to stick uh, because they keep advancing in their assaults against us and uh, we need to get them you're, and you're the girl so no pressure but keep going yeah, let's well,
0: we'll, we'll just I want to a little bit more evidence and then I'll I'll, I'll t- articulate what I articulated to the attorney so if we just keep going through I don't want to spend too much time. Oh, this is just another law. Again, they had they, Pfizer said they would adhere to this. Um, again, that the, the benefits have to outweigh the risk. We can keep going. Um, it's not so the risk of COVID-19 per Anthony Fauci from February 2020. This was published in March. He said it was akin to the seasonal flu. It was 0.1 percent. So that was the case fatality rate. It was one tenth of one percent. Um, so there was never a high risk for this, uh, and there was no risk to children. So we know. Uh, that zero children, uh, early on in the pandemic under the age of 15 had ever even come down with COVID. There was one 19 year old in Wuhan that had come down with COVID-19 in the early stages of this. So let's just keep going through. Um, I want to get to the, okay, we can skip over this. This, this was surgeon general Latipo. So in the state of Florida, he looked at, um, cardiac related deaths, and I just want to go to the total numbers. Now, he did an analysis that said adults males under the age of 40 were at an 84% risk. If you go on to the next slide, what he found though, was he looked at an ICD, ICD 10 code that diagnosed people that had a cardiac related death after a COVID-19 injection, Laura, he excluded anyone that got more than two shots. So, so none of these people got a booster. He excluded anyone that had a history of cardiac disease. He excluded anyone that had a history of being diagnosed with COVID-19, or that was uh, said that this was a COVID-19 related death. So the only thing that could have caused the cardiac related event was the shot. And in the state of Florida, across men and women, I'm sorry, this is a bit crazy. I had a cleaner one. This is amazing. Within six six months on that right-hand side, within months of the injection, 16,406 residents in the state of Florida died from a cardiac related event from the injection and nearly 3,500 died within four weeks. He found the same amount of deaths, just from the related event over a six-month period, than our VAER CD system had, had um, uh, reported over a period of more than two years across the entire country. He just, and he looked at a very narrow subset, just within the state of Florida, with with tremendous exclusion criteria. And he found the same amount of deaths that have been reported in the entire database for two and a half years.
1: So when you're you when know? you say it could be like a million deaths, this is where it's all hidden. All these little things, the the way that they they don't tell the truth and the lack of reporting to the vers as well. Like we have, and and I think you've seen the excess deaths that are now being reported worldwide. Tucker Carlson was was covering it last night. Um, yeah. The insurance uh, companies are beginning to. Really, bought, I have
0: that all in here it. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's just let's go through quick, and I'll just say when to stop because yeah. keep uh, going. In the state of court, so, this just shows this was published in July of last year, the American Heart Association poster, and they said our data shows that it's the spike protein that causes the damage, and the spike protein doesn't cause damage to the heart just because of binding to the A2 receptors; it, it binds to the toll-like receptors that cause cytokine storms. And I went back to some of the original patents from 1989 when Dr. Malone originally created this technology, not only does it do that, it presents uh, foreign spike proteins in the heart muscle so that white blood cells go and attack and eat the heart muscle cells. So the spike protein is the bioweapon. So this was from the American Heart Association. And there's, there's, there's basically five mechanisms of action that causes heart inflammation and heart failure. Um, I just mentioned three. The other one is anaphylactis from the pegylated lipid nanoparticles. And I forgot the fifth one. So this thing is very deadly and it really attacks heart muscles. Oh, uh, there's some cationic, um, uh, there's some, um, uh, interrupts the electromagnetic field in the heart. That's the fifth one, but I, I, I don't have that. I can so see it, why I mean, you let could
1: forget that on. word. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so what, what Dr. Ladipo did was a uh, case series studies where he, he looked retroactively on who died from the injections. And if you read his documentation, he has five other studies. One of them was based out of England. They had 282 children, 212 children who died from a cardiac related death between the ages of 12 and 15 within 12 weeks of the injection. I just wanted to share that real quick. So we'll just keep going. I mean, the data is so damning. So this is what's so horrible. This is this. Laura is a confession of a crime. This is the phase three data, November 20th, 2020 Pfizer said we have reactogenicity data. We have severe adverse event data in hundred children, ages 12 to 15. The sponsor Pfizer says it's not favorable. That means it's damning. That means the benefit risk ratio is, is damning. That means you're not supposed to move forward again with the trial. Under under section 312 of the Food and Drug Consumer Protection Act, they need to stop. What did Pfizer say? Don't disclose the information. Move forward. And then they changed the design for the children, 12 to 15-year-olds, instead of instead of making it preventing infection, they changed it to having immunogenicity, which is an autoimmune response that attacks self. So they created a new trial design that showed how the injection causes the immune system to kill self for the children. And they said that was the efficacy.
1: They, I mean, they just didn't think anyone's going to read this stuff, I think. Right. They didn't know Karen yeah. Kingston was going to come along and completely <laughs> like do a deep dive into everything. And others must this be is- doing this, but this is time consuming for you, right? Like you've invested all of your, and your brain and, and really it's a calling, isn't it? Like literally yeah. a calling from God that you would dig behind the curtain to find all of this. It's,
0: it's just life-saving. It's it's thousands of hours. And to be honest, I don't know how I'm doing it. Uh, I normally would work with a team of, you know, six or eight PhDs that would be supporting me on this and an editor and designers. And um, it's really, honestly, it, it, I just put my faith in God. It's the power of the Holy spirit. I, I have no concept on how I've been able to go through this amount of data and the patents we'll need and to the contract. For you.
1: Everyone, keep caring what? in your prayers for what she's doing. So right like, now this is was like, changing the world. Terrible, and I'm like, I'm exhausted. I was like, like yeah. <laughs> you were saying you're doing some sort of health thing, though. Yeah, I got
0: because I started doing chelation with EDTA and uh, DTPS, and it's right. been it's been helpful because I did get um, some of this poison, whatever you want to call it, into my bloodstream, whether it's through shedding or um, you know. You know, we got we get hit at speaker events, so it it's definitely working. So I recommend that. And okay. I'm working with Dr. Anna Mahalstia to write some of that up.
1: Right. But here, and, I just want to go first. Yes. Go um, well, I just I do want to just ask you. I mean, do you think that that's happening to all of us? The the shedding, we're being infected through just our environment. Uh, yes, uh,
0: it, it is. Um, there is in their plans that, um, in the patents, as well as in um, Joe Biden's uh, sub- September 21st executive order, that every cell in every resident of America needs to be programmed like a computer. So this lipid nanoparticle technology, uh, the most efficient way to get it into the human body is through an injection, uh, but they can do it through aerosol. They can put it in the food supply. Um, Surface contacts; they can put it on packaging. Um, so he Biden signed an executive order in September last year to basically roll this out um, in our everyday consumables. And you know, we believe it's been sprayed in the skies here too. So
1: right,
0: yeah. Wow. But it's like any poison; the less you have, the better. So I recommend people getting some blood work done. And uh, you know, See what I've read. On. Yeah, what I read and then my own personal experience is the chelation therapy has been the most efficient to the point where I started getting rashes. And after the first treatment, uh, they, like mm-hmm. you could see that it, it disappeared. The stuff came out of my skin. What um, was what I got hit with. Wow. So okay. I know I bet it's, we'll look like, there's something there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so we'll go back. Um, I'll try to go quick. So reactogenicity data that this is what the children experienced. It it, it, it is what they know the adverse events are going to be. And then I just pointed out that Maddie de Grey, the next slide never had to happen. And if you keep going, so she, she was injured, you know, she's a 12 year old that was injured. She's now in a wheelchair and on a feeding tube. So all these injuries to the, yeah, should have never happened. And, and what's ironic is in the approval, you know, the FDA states that they know the product causes heart inflammation. They know it causes severe allergic reaction they said it's important to understand that that uh, vaccine associated enhanced disease occurs and enhanced respiratory disease but what they said they don't know is if this thing actually works they said no matter how you define a vaccine they say what's missing is vaccine effectiveness so pfizer didn't provide them with any information that this would prevent infection protect against disease or do anything so a biological agent that doesn't prevent against infection doesn't protect against disease was done under deceptive uh experimentation By definition in the United States, that is a bioweapon. We know it's not a vaccine. The FDA says it's not a vaccine. It's not effective as a vaccine. So what is it? It's a bioweapon. That's the only criteria it meets. So when I presented this and um, to the commissioners and law enforcement, I said, you have one of two choices now. You, You can potentially opine that the that these federal documents that the words that you're seeing don't mean what they mean and go along with this lie that this is a safe and effective vaccine and bank on the fact that americans and global citizens aren't going to wake up to a crime which will result in the destruction of our countries and our communities or you can bank on the fact that people are going to wake up and recognize that a crime has happened and so now you need to take action within your authority to do everything that you can to educate people about the crime and also to take action against the criminals. And I said, if you bank on the first one and want to remain silent and safe, I was like, that's a dark bet to take on humanity. And when truth does prevail, you'll be complicit in this crime because we're having a conversation and I have witnesses with me.
1: And they they were like, who brought this woman? You know? (laughs) What? Who let her in the door? But Karen, is that the problem? Like, why isn't this information already getting a lot of people in trouble? Um, it seems like, I guess because mainstream media won't report on anything, nobody's talking, everything is a big silencing, you know, it's, it's, it's a shroud of, um, you know, silence around all of this. So you've literally got to go, like, county to county getting this information in front of the right people. Like, this is a heavy load.
0: That's literally what I have to do is go county to county. And that's why I recommend people go to my Substack. Um, it's called the Commissioner's Letter. It's free. Print it out. And there's other there's unintended con- or there's intended consequences. That's free. Um, there's cherry-picking data. Um, and, and invest some time to understand this and, and talk to um get a group together in your county and then talk to your county commissioners, talk to your sheriffs. Um the people who I'm going to charge are gonna be those in charge of the clinical trials at Pfizer, those who were doing the, ma- the marketing at Pfizer, because they, they broke the law, they committed a crime. And as you go through the FDA documents, they knew they broke the law. They knew they were breaking the law. They knew they were committing a crime and they knew that they were unleashing a harmful biological agent that can cause harm and injury, disease, disabilities, and death. So there's no, there's no excuse for them at all. And so did moderna but i just i'm more familiar with the pfizer documents and pfizer Mm -hmm. really with their dod contract they left themselves wide open to be criminally charged they have no immunity the government said we have nothing to do with you and pfizer said thank you we want nothing to do with you either they said you own these products we won't they said they forfeited uh marching rights the government said we have no right to go into your manufacturing facilities we have no right to demand that your manufacturers are even located in the united states of america this is absurd laura i've never seen a government contract like this before You know they told Pfizer whatever you the reason why they use the term prototype is because there's a reduction in clause so the first time they produce a product the government said Pfizer you own that product we don't own it you own all the intellectual property rights we have no rights to it It, it, it's the most bizarre contract I've ever seen where the government looked like they were trying to distance themselves from Pfizer it's not what other quote-unquote experts are saying they read the first half of the paragraph you know, where they say, under this law, and I was like, yeah, but you didn't read the second half where they said, we're forfeiting our rights under that law.
1: I just saw a a little clip yesterday where uh, it looks like somebody is doing a presentation and she says, basically, Pfizer was saying, we're not culpable because we created basically the bioweapon you asked us to create. It was- That's absolutely
0: um, not true.
1: mm -hmm. So the first thing in the opening paragraph,
0: of the introduction of the contract, Pfizer states that they're gonna develop a vaccine that protects against SARS-CoV-2 and coronavirus variants. Then if you go to section scope 1.2, four times they state that the product will be safe according to um, emergency use authorization guidance from the 2017 guidance. And they actually cite the laws that they're going to adhere to. And then the government says to them, because you're conducting the clinical trials, um, because this is actually a, we're paying you just for manufacturing, your clinical trials are separate from from military supervision and from the U.S. Army. You work directly with the FDA, and it says it, it says Pfizer is going to be in charge of the communications with the FDA. In in their in their um, re, motion to dismiss to the Brooke Jackson case, uh, I wish I had it right here. They said. The reason why we are not, the government doesn't have to, it doesn't care about the whistleblower case for the FDA trials is because we never paid for them. It says Pfizer footed the entire bill. Now in the government contract, it is a manufacturing contract, but it states work with the FDA, Pfizer, you're the safety review board, you're paying for everything. If the FDA does not authorize the product and they do not or approve it then we cannot release the prototype which will then become a vaccine on the American people that's what the contract says so okay. the government clearly and, and what, what's crazy is Pfizer cites the FDA laws that they promise to adhere to including good manufacturing practices including good lab manufacturing practices they promise for consistency and quality in their products and inspections so the con, the concept that if there was a, a secret meeting, maybe there was, but that's not what you drag into a court of law. So, uh, you know, if, if Pfizer was contracted as a hitman and, and it was supposed to be, to be a chauffeur driver and they're like, well, actually I had a secret meeting and the person told me to kill the person I was driving. Well, you're like, well, you bring them into court of law, but right now all I know is that you were hired as a chauffeur and you killed somebody. So I'm going after you so yeah got it a lot of times people don't read the second half of a sentence or a paragraph right. it kind of drives me really good and contract. you do it drives me crazy. right yeah well, the other thing laura you know we do to understand in the united states of america if we're saying that there's no law in the united states of america that we can go after a manufacturer for releasing a bioweapon on the u.s people because we're i don't know subservient to the u.s military somehow well, we're saying that we're a tyrannical authoritarian government and we're complicit in the crime i mean we're saying there's no law in the united states and by the way there's many laws in the united states where we can't go after a criminal for using a bioweapon because they, our government told them to do that well then what are we doing we're telling the global population america's evil and there's nothing we can do So either the United Nations needs to come in and save us and hold America to account, or Putin does, or China does. If you think through the strategy of saying, we can't go after Pfizer for using a bioweapon, what does that say about America? And have we forgotten what happened to Germany after World War II? 12 million people, civilians, not who were in the work camps, 12 million civilians were displaced. The country was bankrupted. Because they had no authority to stop their own to to stop what was happening. they They did not call out the crimes that were happening right. So why are we telling people we have no power at a community level to charge people with battery assault and murder with the use of a bioweapon?
1: right. And you know Gee, um, I mean yes, uh, and I, I do think that because of the work you're doing and others and getting onto these these podcasts and shows like this that are willing to put the truth out there and literally, you know, put ourselves on the line because you never know what's going to happen or who's going to, you know, adios your account and then you're in the abyss again. Uh, but um, because you're doing this, this is making a difference. And I even heard something amazing the other night. I was listening to a, a little uh, video and Donald Trump, of all people, said, you know, and these vaccines, they haven't worked. That was like the first time like that I could see that he's actually – beginning the, the truth about this very unfortunate thing and what Anthony Fauci and the rest of them have perpetrated on us?
0: I, I've said it since day one. I don't believe anyone could actually understand the depth of the evil that was unleashed on American citizens and global citizens. I don't think anyone understood it. And I said just two weeks ago in front of the commissioners, it doesn't matter if you're the president of the United <laughs> States you know, or a stay-at-home mom. We were, we were all deceived at some level, right. so I did just have a sigh of relief that uh, Trump is acknowledging that he was deceived. Yes, because yeah, then that's that's very important. That is
1: important. Um, it is important. Yeah, and, and he can. That's yeah. you know that's going to vindicate him too, as well as time goes on. Because I'm always in trouble for uh, you know having anything that I say about Trump. But um, so, do you have more? I'm I'm fascinated. And yeah, I know let's, my let's next is waiting. I just First. want to let Carrie know that we know you're there and we love you. Please just hang on for us. Okay. All right. yeah, yeah Let me We're
0: see if we can going. go through quick. There are a couple key things that I wanted to share. So yeah. we just pull it back up. I'm sorry. I don't have it memorized. Keep going. Um, just keep. Uh, oh, so this is interesting. Go back. This is really important. So a vaccine is supposed to prevent infection. What did the post hoc analysis? So what happened in uh, December 2020, January 2021 was they start they injected the placebo group, and the FDA FDA said come back in a few months and let us know how the newly injected group t- is going, faring against the originally injected group, and Pfizer's conclusion was that um, after people get two doses, the risk for COVID-19 disease increases over time, so it causes the disease. Now, I pointed this out in September 2021. Reuters wrote a hit piece on me, the Associated Press. They said, that's not what it says. Literally, it says, Laura, the additional analysis appears to indicate the incident of COVID-19 increased in each group of study participants with increasing time post-dose two. That's what it says. Now, they used it for the booster shots, but it means what it says. And then I was vindicated, go on to the next slide, when the Cleveland Clinic just published uh, in uh, September, just earlier this year, um, or just a couple, I think mean January, 51,000 employees uh, who got zero doses to four or more doses. And what they found was that with each dose you got, your risk of COVID-19 disease increased. And if you got two doses, it was increased threefolded versus getting no dose at all. That's exactly what Pfizer said was going to happen. So just keep skipping. There's one thing. So it causes disease. So a vaccine that causes disease is not a vaccine. It's a bioweapon. It, it, it's not this isn't rocket science it, it, you know and if you just keep going forward we know it's the bioweapon because oh yeah and then if, if you're a worker and you get a shot you have a 20 percent chance of not going to work the next day for who knows how long this is another study out of germany but keep going i mean it's crazy i want i don't know where it is there's one uh, keep going keep going just i i, I want to get to the so this is the 170 people but keep going this just showed that you had a 99 percent chance of not getting infected whether or not you got the shot or not keep going, this is the severe disease. So severe disease is the same thing as, you know, you got respiratory failure, kidney failure, heart failure, ICU admission, or death. That's how they define severe disease. So if you go on to the next slide, this is the other really damning piece of evidence. Pfizer stated that 409 people within one week of the first or second dose had severe COVID. And they don't know if it was their shot or a virus that did it. That's 2.5% of the people that were in that 18,000 group were probably hospitalized or died after the injection, and Pfizer just said, don't count that information. So it is the bioweapon. I think the next slide even shows that it produces the bioweapon. This is the Florida data that Edward Dowd um, has published in his book, or all the excess mortality. Ironically, I was presenting in Florida. Q3 2021, that starts July. What happened July 1st? Biden announces the vaccine mandate for all employees employees in the state of florida q3 200 percent excess mortality and if you go on the next slide the, the group that was hit the hardest was ages 0 to 44 so our youngest workers were hit wow. again this is a bioweapon obviously the shots are I would say they're not working, but they're working according to plan. They're taking out our workforce, which is an right. act of war, as Edward Dowd says too. Well,
1: right, I and, and part- Edward Dowd—he's someone to follow. He was on Tucker just last night. That was the segment that we were watching, and he's phenomenal. We need to get him, Toby. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, he's—he—he's he, uh, he's really pulled together some pretty uh, important data that's very incriminating. So if you just keep going. I think I think I'm going to wrap it up oh this is just that it's a bioweapon again an experimental agent that doesn't isn't prophylactic doesn't prevent infection doesn't protect it against disease and wasn't done under bona fide research is a bioweapon and if you can't prevent infection by the way a failed vaccine is known to cause enhanced disease because it's not a vaccine and so the bioweapon is we know it's the wuhan spike protein, the SARS-CoV-2, this is Pfizer's labeling. It's the full mRNA from the SARS-CoV-2 spike protein from Wuhan. I mean, come on, like, you know what I mean? Like, this is. Come on. And the, and the next slide, it just says Pfizer's website says, and you go on the next slide, they're going to turn your cells into spike protein factories. And they got a little factory there, a little cartoon, right. that's a cell. And then they got the little bioweapons coming out. They're mocking us. So that's that that's basically. What it looks like that
1: they're mocking us. It's yeah. So shocking. They're,
0: they're, they're, they make a cartoon to say we're gonna convert your cell into a Chinese created bioweapon factory. Right.
1: No. And they did
0: it in a cartoon.
1: Right. Now all of these deaths and the cytokine kind storm kind of happening and and now immunity's down. I mean, it's not only just a failed vaccine, it's a dangerous one. So it's bad. Well,
0: the, the, you know, the if you go into the patents and the purity journals, I mean, we know that there's the HIV envelope that that's mm-hmm. causing the decrease in immunity. And something I've covered 2 years ago and I'll have to bring it up again was that uh, also they gene editing is not just for SARS-CoV-2. They can insert the HeLa line, which is an immortal cancer cell line. It's literally called the immortal cancer cell line, which is the most aggressive cancer that's ever been identified uh, from the 1950s. And those sequences can be submitted into a cell to cause uh, accelerated growth of cancer tumors. Um, uh, and the products can also deliver endothelial growth factor and serum response factor to then cause the accelerated growth of tumors, which we're we're seeing. So. Uh, it's like, um, Gila is like an, a catalyst to any cancer that you may have that's um, latent. And it's just like putting gasoline on a fire. So that's what we're seeing now as well. Um, oh beyond what I just showed people was just, it was just, that's just what you need to go to press criminal charges. But if we start going down the rabbit hole, it, it's, it's, it's a lot darker than what we've even just addressed. But
1: Well, may God be with you and give you great success. Thank you for fighting for all of us. And we need to have you back sooner than later because I think that you're going to be a storm that they were not expecting. And I just thank you for being the storm right now in the middle of all of this, like actually and literally being a storm they have to contend with. And you were created to kind of be able to do these kinds of, you know, deep dives. And many of us just are in awe of this. And I thank you for that. Very, very much. Oh, thank
0: you. I'm yeah honored to be here and thank you for giving me a platform to have the truth heard. And yes. and, and thank you for being courageous. I understand the risk that you take to have me on. I do. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I appreciate it.
1: No worries. Yeah. It's an honor and a privilege and it's fun. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> thank <laughs> okay. You. All right, we'll talk to you again. All right. Okay. right. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. That's one amazing woman, and I appreciate uh, everything that she's doing. We do have to have her on more often. Um, another very, very courageous woman is Carrie Simpson of Culture Guard. We're going to bring her on now to talk about she is wanting to alert all of us. We're all talking about this digital ID and we're seeing that, uh, you know, I've heard Alberta and Saskatchewan were basically saying they're not going to be part of it, but I've also heard from an Albertan that, um, well, then why are we doing such and such? And it, it appears that You know, they're saying things out of one side of their mouth. They don't want the digital ID. They're not going to cooperate with Trudeau. And yet, on the other side, uh, that there's a problem. Do you want the digital ID? What is digital ID? Um, You know, what bill is being passed? How close are we to getting digital ID implemented in Canada, right in our province as well? Somebody who is keeping a watch on all of that is Carrie Simpson. And Carrie, I just welcome you to the show. Thanks for waiting in the background there and being so patient. I appreciate it. Hey, I no problem, Laura Lynn. She was
5: fascinating. I I, I'm going to hook up with her for sure. I, you, you know, bet. she she
1: has she has the same life I do.
5: I think we're just the rabbit hole grinders. I was thinking right?
1: that. I was thinking yeah. that. Like you always get right into the bottom of things too. And that's exactly what you've done with digital ID. This Bill C-27, is it? Yes. So, so, so tell us nobody about knows. This. Yeah, nobody knows about
5: it. I, I actually created a call um, experience with all the top freedom lawyers, um, including Rocco Goliath. Nobody even knows about this. It's had first reading. It's in the in the process of second reading. Every politician I've talked to has no idea about the implications or what's happening here, and uh, so we took a bit of a dive into it and this basically is the bill that will create the road to make all of the issues around digital ID, digital currency, artificial intelligence, um, what you can say, what you can't say, misinformation, disinformation, right up to um, the consent laws over your information being given over to the government. It just opens all of those doors. And, uh, what's concerning is that there's no alternatives here there's no provision in this this bill to allow people to say no you know we don't want to go to current digital currency no we don't want to just be able to communicate digitally you know we want to keep canada post we want to keep cash we want to you know no we don't want our privacy invaded so there's a lot of work to do i think the extent of this bill and actually they're bringing in three acts three different pieces of legislation in under this one bill, which is also concerning, you know, they create this massive amount of work to deter people from not wanting to have to, to parse it up and see what's happening in it. Um, but it, this, this just needs to say no, you know, they give the, the flowery language of, oh, we want to protect everybody's, you know, uh, information, but, oh, by the way, without their consent, we can give it to any government agency or any organization and this and that it's.
1: It is truly the tablespoon of sugar. I want to know more about the three acts, if you could uh, dissect that a little bit. But also, Carrie, what happens when, as we saw with the truckers, that certain people got their bank accounts stopped immediately? If everything goes digital, and if we are heading into this social credit style, Chinese style of dictatorship over the people, which Trudeau loves so much, what might that mean for us? Okay. Well, we've actually uncovered those documents as well, Lorland
5: where they've actually assigned four different levels of how people can appeal. If you have a level one or level two disagreement with what happened to your information or this and that, um, you have to argue with, um, a artificial intelligent entity. Oh. It's only if you have a level three and four that you get literally, this document says human intervention.
1: Right. Um, it, 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 it's, I had that with Pure Later today. I, it, oh, I was later. talking to a bot and it yeah. seemed to understand me, and that was scary. <laughs>
5: well, and that's all that's to come. And, you know, they want to transform us. And, you know, regrettably, we're behind on this. You know, this has been in the making for, you know, the last really 10 years, you know, officially we can go back to 2016 and find the documents now where this has all been planned. Um, I, your previous guest, Karen, I want to connect with her because I have all the information on where they're moving on, how they're going to do vaccines and all the rest of it in the future. Um, but you know, what's really concerning is that we've paid for this as taxpayers, like they are using our money to weaponize laws against us in our freedom and democracy. So we are putting together a bit of a campaign called just pull the plug, pull the plug on AI, pull the plug on our funding. Um, If it takes a bit of a taxpayer revolt, I think when people see the billions and trillions of dollars that has been invested into this campaign alone, um, they're going to say, you know, that's not what we authorized. And certainly it, it goes to being a fraudulent use of our tax dollars because they've lied to us about what they're doing here.
1: So, uh, Carrie, do you think, so how did this advance and nobody seems to know, are, are they doing another one of those, you know, um, all nighters or or like just kind of tucking it in at the end of something and nobody's really reporting on this in mainstream and suddenly it's at the second reading or past the second reading? I think there's a couple of
5: factors that are involved in this is, is number one. Uh, politicians don't want to be pigeonholed, right? So, you know, they want to stick to safe subjects like the economy and inflation and, uh, you know, things that are not uh, what they view as explosive or populist even. And that that I think, you know, that's something that we've always seen in politicians. But you know what? That's what's up to us, Laura Lynn. We have to demand the topics we want to talk about to be talked about and any politician that will not talk about digital ID, about our freedoms and liberties should have no chance of election. That should just be a complete obliteration off any um, ballot in, in the nation. And I think that's where we're actually going to have to get to. The other more troubling aspect of what's transpiring here is I think the financial benefit that many of these um, politicians now have access into regrettably much of what I uncovered also is being manifested into investment funds. Um, You know, the COVID uh, vaccines, big pharma, all of these things, and and we won't have time today to go into those, but but we'll we'll do that when I, I mostly I want to make sure that the paper trail
1: is available to people so they yeah, can and see. we'll have you back on we'll have you back on once you have it all together yeah. and talk about it. So for now, though, let's let's look at
5: this bill. So the okay. the part one enacts what's called the Consumer Privacy Protection Act, and you know that's they've created all this propaganda about the need to protect our our information. And, and we, I think most all know that, how's that going for us? You know, every other week I'm getting a letter from somebody saying, Oh, you know, you, we, our system was hacked. Your, your identification and ID may have been compromised. Right. I think we have to just understand that technology has its limits. And the question is, are these, are these limited technologies worth the the price that we will pay not only as, as uh, Canadians and protecting our privacy rights, but also as a nation, when they keep moving towards, and this all through these documents, the global economy, the global economy, we will lose our identity as a nation. And especially as one of the nations that has the ability to care for her people. Um, This is a very dangerous uh, road that we're traveling down here. So we have um, the, 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 so the first part deals uh, with the personal and privacy information. But then when you look at the bill, you start to see all the troubling aspects. And I, I think as Canadians, and I, I want to stress this to your viewers, Laura Lynn, as Canadians, we have been conditioned to be nice. Um, we can't just adopt that anymore. I don't think Canadians have ever been nice. I think that's a convenient role they want us to play because then we don't, question what the government is doing. We don't ask, you know, for accountability, those kinds of things. And the other problem is Canadians, we have, well, of course, apologizing, I have a rule in my office. Anyone who says sorry gets fined a toonie automatically. Um, but the other thing is we compromise. So if eight issues are pretty good, the other two, if there's 10 items, you know, we'll just kind of go, oh well, you know, overall it's not so bad. We have to stop that because that practice is called labeling the, you know, the, the tablespoon of sugar with a little bit of cyanide and what effect are you going to feel most? It is not going to be the sugar. It's going to be the cyanide. And certainly that is the strategy that has been imparted into how they are delivering the propaganda around this, um, how they are trying to sell it to people. So the purpose of of that bill is to, we sell it as protecting our, our, our protection. But then when you start getting into it, you, know, you start seeing things like um, uh, feel good war uh, wording, you know, the organization may collect only personal information that is necessary for the purposes and determined in one section. Right. But then they go on to say uh, in section three, they can use that information without the consent of the individual, If there is a legitimate interest that outweighs any potential adverse reaction, but then we get, you know, further into the bill, right? Um, Then we see that our information can be handed over to the government, Um, any government institution or government institution, Canada's healthcare institutions, post-secondary public libraries. Then they have a new section called definition of a socially beneficial uh, purpose. And this is very concerning because this is the same, strategy that they thought that they were using with the uh, COVID. um, And I despise calling it a vaccine. We know intervention, if you will, you know, oh, the greater good, you know, if a few people die, you know, but the greater good is served. So this mentality has to stop, right? I don't think there is one caring Canadian that wouldn't have engaged in any process the government recommended if we had faith in that and that it was actually going to pull off what it what you know it was stated to do and you know fortunately a number of canadians questioned that but this bill goes on to define the socially beneficial purpose and it means a purpose related to health the provision or improvement of public amenities or infrastructure the protection of the environment or any other prescribed purpose. So we don't even know what they're going to do with this. It just opens the door wholesale to this, right? Um, It says an organization may use an uh, individual's personal information without their knowledge or consent if in the course of its activities, the organization becomes aware of information that has reasonable grounds to believe that it could be useful in the investigation of a contravention of a federal or provincial law. Um, You don't even have to have committed the law, the, that same section goes on to say that has been, or is about to be committed. So now we have, you know, Oh, that person's engaged that, you know, certainly that's what they're going to do with this. Um, so this bill is full of that kind of thing. So then the second section we get into is the part about, um, the, um, the, so that's consumer privacy then we have the personal information and data protection so consumer privacy is all the information you give to shops and stores when you're shopping online then we have the personal information and data so this is the issues around your you know your health status what what vaccines you have or haven't had what kind of operations you've had but then part three goes into the enactment of the artificial intelligence and data act And certainly this is the aspect that starts talking about geographic boundaries being established. So increasingly we are talking about 15 minute cities. We're talking about limiting travel. We're talking about the sustainable goals as defined by the United Nations for the 2030 agenda. And this just completes that ability for the government to bring in all of those things. You know, you said at the beginning that Saskatchewan has said it's not going to participate in this, but I can show you a document from the government, the federal government where Saskatchewan now has been identified as the producer for Canada for plant-based proteins. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the, and the, the troubling aspect of this, and I've spoken to a lot of politicians is they don't even know that this is going on. There's still distracted by, you know, typical politics. They don't understand that this is a much more sophisticated agenda than what we've ever seen before, and it takes a lot of work to find it and uncover it. Um, But, you know, fortunately, that paper trail is there for those of us. And thank you you for
1: doing that, Carrie. Really, like, thank you for this is what you do and you do it so well. (laughs) I know that when they see you coming, there's fear in their eyes, just like with Karen Kingston. So, uh, you know, uh, this is what's so scary. Um, What about like our like a a passport to our health? Um, Maybe it could be related to vaccines, although it looks like that's. I don't know that they can continue trying to relate it to vaccines, but maybe our carbon footprint, right? And maybe they don't like that we're against transgendering minors, and we could end up being on that social credit bad list. Absolutely, Lorlyn. And this
5: just gives them that wealth of information, everything from our banking information to our health information, to um, what kind of uh, produce and, or, and, or meats, God forbid, if you buy meat, I think people have to understand. So for instance, here in, in BC and in Alberta right now, most even hobby, hobby farmers are not aware of this, but the government passed regulations that we are supposed to report how many animals we have on our property. So if right. you have. A small acreage and you have a few chickens, you are supposed to report that now the document the implementation document i have because i get the strategy documents fortunately we have a lot of people in government that don't like what's going on so we get the information okay. they have agreed not to enforce this yet only those people that are getting massive amounts of money so like dairy farmers that kind of thing that get subsidized to some extent but all those those regulations are on the books now and they can enforce it at any time so basically what they will be doing is somebody with a, a five or ten acre hobby farm that maybe um, creates eggs for people, um, chi- you know, chicken, whole organic chickens or turkeys? That person will have to register every piece of livestock they have, from horses to llamas, um, and you will be assigned units. And the government is now going to tell us how many units we can have on the size of property we have. So. Um, You just can't, even if you're a really great farmer and can manage to eke out, you know, raising two cows and 80 chickens on your property, the government's going to decide how many units you can have. Um, I can tell people right now, they may not be aware of this, but at the livestock auction where all the farmers go to sometimes sell their eggs, chickens, poultry, it's been months since you could buy a chicken there. It's been months since you can even buy egg sales there. Now that we've never seen that before. So, you know, all of these issues are coming down. Um, and I don't think a lot of people, of course, the mainstream. Why media do you never think this is happening,
1: it? Carrie? You can't buy Condition? a chicken, eggs, yeah. they're going sky high. Some people saying that eggs are kind of changing and we got a problem all over, you know, and then uh, farmers have had to like throw out their milk as well. We see all, all these trains derailing, food plants blowing up. What's happening? Conditioning us, Laura
5: Lynn, you know, that it's, it's the incremental thing. So the BC government here has incorporated a group, ironically called BIG, Behavioral Insights Group. They've trained over 6,500 public servants on how to incrementally Change people's behavior and thinking, and they have millions of dollars to do this. We have the documents that they use during um, the COVID lockdowns. You know, get people first to wash their hands for an extraordinary amount of time. That'll be easier than to get them to wear masks because they're already in a state of compliance, right? Um, you know, they are using psychological warfare tactics right. on the people of a supposedly free and democratic nation, and you know, this is where the people across this nation are going to have to rise up and just say enough is enough. You know, we need to rehabilitate our democracy. Uh, you know, I was speaking the other night, you know, and I said, you know, the days of political right and left are gone. The, the, those days are over. Right. Either you are for a free and sovereign Canada, or you're going or to you're be not. part of
1: the deconstruction of this nation. And those people could be in all parties, but you're right. It's no longer yeah. the left and the right. Really, no. it's like, hey, we, we got a bigger war, and we all better get on the same side. Ugh, well, you know, this. It, it, what, what's interesting is that the the tactics of
5: division, which have been deliberately, you know, uh, let loose in this in this province, most Canadians are not divided. Most people like each other, regardless of faith or 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 color or who you're, right? It, but they create these. Um, lines of division, then you're not allowed to talk about it, then you'll be part of the council culture. But you know, isn't it interesting that all these lines of division are engaged with activities that a democratic government shouldn't be involved in, right? And this is as a result of us allowing government to become an industry onto its own, and they're using our dollars, you know, these trillions of dollars and I'll send you a document. Um, we're putting it together um, on to see whether or not it's actually legal, what the, the federal and provincial governments have been doing. They have been basically um, buying votes, you know, and political agendas through the donations and granting of uh, charities and nonprofit organizations with billions of our money, right? And I don't think people understand how much money has actually gone into this strategy and tactic. But we'll help them understand because we will we, we'll, we'll put some information out for people. Um, and then the question of whether it's legal what they're doing. Certainly government has some discretionary opportunities, but not when they're funding political agendas that are not part of the mandate, you know and or investing Canadian money in investment funds and opportunities that make politicians judges rich, right?
1: So so when do you think that this could become like full force, voted up or down? When might that be?
5: So second reading's in progress. So people have to start. So we have a campaign right now that will start educating every single MP to, you know, just say, no, I don't care what political stripe you are on. You know, we need to do that. It has to go from second reading to third reading and then committee. But We know now that too many of these politicians have their finger in the the money pie and those kinds of things. So what will be a better act for Canadians is to come together. We have to create an opportunity for the voice of Canadians to be louder and more meaningful than the the squawk boxing of the politicians, right? Um, Next federal election, we have to cut the funds, we have to cut the money. And it's going to take a lot of work. People are going to have to become engaged in their democracy. The good news is Canada is a relatively small country population wise. And, you know, I'm happy to report that, you know, I've had the ability to speak to literally hundreds of thousands of Canadians over the last couple of months. And as I say that those barriers of political Uh, division of religious division are all dropping people are going what the hell's going on and we need to stop it and the way you stop that while we still can is through our electoral process right unless china gets too involved of course
1: (laughs) yeah yeah and and i mean you know they're not they're not going to be investigating that very much we've got these chinese uh Uh, police stations being set up you know i'm sure you've heard about that and intimidating the chinese people and then they've got the chinese interfering with the election we kind of covered it at the top of the show when you weren't here but um and a report just taking forever and forever i mean we it it could be that we don't even have um a legitimate government i don't i don't know how do we know that we didn't we don't face what the u.s has faced
5: and that's another issue. Um, I, the documents I actually didn't bring with me, but I'll send them to you. That there's been a cabinet directive that allows um, the federal government to basically um, ignore Elections Canada if they think that there's some fraud being committed during an election, and they invoke this caretaker period. It's the most bizarre thing. But again, the information on what's happening with Bill C27. Again, also. Deals with moving everything to digital voting. That cannot happen. Uh, people care about their democracy. They show up to vote. We need to keep the the snail mail is as as um, old school as that is. That is our ability to communicate with people. Um, we need to make sure that there is cash in our society. Um, you know, digital convenience. We all know. You know, we all love our iPhones and those kinds of things. And we've been incrementally conditioned to just go, oh yeah, I know there's probably privacy risk, but what the heck, right? The, the, the convenience outweighs the, the, the poison in this, but we are coming to a time now where we have to say, you know, enough is enough. The poison may be too much, you know, TV shouldn't be that smart that they can invade our privacy. There are ways to, to mitigate those kinds of invasions that are so contrary to what a democratic society should operate as.
1: That's amazing. And I know that you've got this Canadian Voters Association uh, going and tell us a little bit about that.
5: So the Canadian Voters Association, basically, um, a, a group got together and said, you know, we looked at the obstacles ahead of us, ironically, even before COVID, Laura Lynn, and we said, we saw the amount of money that was being used for vote buying, we saw all the indoctrination in the school for the younger generations. How do you combat all of that? Well, the only way that's going to happen is through, you know, a lot of people. So we're putting basically 2 million Canadians together under the Canadian Voters Association, um, and we're bringing back the pillars of democracy. So we stand for freedom, liberty, judicial accountability, political accountability, and democratic engagement. Um, If we can bring those things to fruition, so last federal election, um, you know, we are nonpartisan. We'll help any political party that asks for it. We'll take any political party to task who needs it, who contravenes what we believe are the most essential ingredients to keeping Canada sovereign, independent, and protecting her citizens. So last federal election, you know, we published a report card on what political party would, in fact, you know deliver that the best odds for that success and of course that was max bernier and the people's party right so we look at the policies in place we look at the platforms that they have and we issue report cards we're establishing voters associations in every single province and they will be the beneficiaries of all the research our teams do um the the lawyers and all the great people that we have on board with this but two million canadians uniting their voices um, to safeguard Canada is where we're moving to this and no political party is going to be able to ignore that kind of voice, that kind of momentum and that kind of people power and we have to become the the voice of greater resistance
1: right I'm glad that you mentioned uh, Maxime Bernier I just I still continue to be very impressed. I mean I entered politics and I thought that I would run, Uh, to be an MP for the Conservative Party of Canada and I tried to run in the South Burnaby riding and then they wouldn't have me because I was too outspoken on transitioning minors and I thought the Conservative Party of everyone would be for that. And of course then I found Maxime Bernier and he supported this. And I just, you know, in being in Calgary with uh, Christine Anderson from Germany, and she's standing up there and one of the key things she says is she said if someone is not willing to speak out on this important issue of the gender ideology then they they you have no business voting for them and all i could think of was tell me tell me you know what person in the conservative party of canada the ndp the liberals the green is going to speak against the gender ideology, few and far between if they want to keep their job. And, but Maxime Bernier, he's been at the front on every one of these things. But we could have an election, really, we could have one at any time. If the government fell, if if Justin Trudeau and his buddy Jugmeet have a little disagreement, we could end up, you know, uh, back, right, slammed back into an election. Or if Mr. Trudeau should actually come to justice on some of the things that have been going on. Any time it could happen, but here's the thing, Carrie, and I want to get your opinion on this, is that most people feel, I, I have no choice, I have to vote for the Conservative Party of Canada, and maybe in order to get Trudeau out, we feel that we you know, just have to go a certain way, but, but this shouldn't be left and right anymore. We've got to start figuring out, we have a really big fight ahead of us, and we've got to get on the same page at some point, point. and why not Maxime Bernier? So I think that the that power
5: is with the people, Laura and it's up for people like you and myself to make sure that when that election comes and and this is what we're telling people with the Canadian Voters Association is, you know, don't give your money to a political party right now, like don't generally, you know, give it to an organization like the Canadian Voters Association, all the other organizations that are actually out there exposing what's going on. And we will hold those people to account. If Pierre Poilievre doesn't want to talk about the issues that are near and dear to Canadians, then the Canadian Voters Association will put letters to them and say, we want to know your position on this. We want to know what you're going to do about this. Here's the solution that we are offering, you know, amend the criminal code, bring back all those protections that minors used to have, for instance, on, you know, the corruption. Of the moral character, alienation of affection to parents, you know, those kinds of things. We have to be very proactive in what we're demanding of them. And then we have to be proactive in exposing whether they do anything about it or not. And we have to, like I said, be the path of greater resistance here. And that's what's been so lacking. You know, we don't have this voice, this strong voice that says, we want you to do this, we want you to do that. You know, I have it on good authority. Um, because people talk to us now they're very concerned, you know, even whether you're a strategist for the conservative party or the BC liberals, or, you know, even the NDP, because people have kids, they have, they see what's happening. They have livelihoods and they don't want to be part of what's going to tear apart this nation. So when we give the information to see what's happening and I'll give one example, cause I live this, um, in 1997 here in BC. The NDP went on basically just ditto what they're doing now, right? Invading our rights as parents by abusing our children in the public education system, spending too much money, not being accountable and not being, um, a, a coherent to what was happening in the medical and uh, system. So we went on a bit of a rampage. We held town hall meetings, um, across the province thousands of people came out. It was just unbelievable. Somebody was giving an opportunity for people to be heard. So we gave a political platform to people where they could participate. They were listened to. We talked the language of the people, not political agendas. And that election in 2001, we knew that the the NDP would lose. We didn't realize they would be obliterated. Okay, they went from a majority government to only two seats in the House. They didn't even qualify for the funding in the in in the legislature at the time. The laws had to change from three to two. So you know this can be done with people power. I say that very reservedly, though, because if people power is not engaged within the next two or three to five years, we will lose our opportunity as Canadians to have our democratic system um, available to us because of the controlled speech, controlled thought. Everybody has to be limited rather than be a free nation of people who actually can make decisions that are in the interest of themselves in this nation. So the state will control us rather than the people controlling the state. So we're at a very precarious time in Canada and people are going to have to rise up. Now, the other good news about what happened back then is that I think we had over 71% voter turnout. Okay. People were excited. They wanted to to know and, and they said, Carrie, just tell me who to vote for, right? We need to have people that are willing to stand in for political office that are honorable character above you know, any, you know, whatever other identity you want to put color, doesn't matter your religious belief. It's, it's about your character and it's about your civil Canadian commitment, right. To the democratic principles that we have here and all the other nonsense has to be pushed aside at this point, this next federal election and provincial elections, those have to be the criteria. So we're actually developing democratic criteria right now where people can measure their candidates say you know here's my question for you on this front here's my question for you on this front and if those politicians don't have answers and we tell all the politicians we're coming after them that they have to restore and rehabilitate our nation otherwise they will not get any possible place of power over us right covid has been an awesome thing it 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 actually was the disruption in people's lives that said, whoa, the people that get elected really do have power over us. A lot of power. Right. If these kinds of bills can come in, Bill C-27, that power will be absolute and we need to stop it dead in its tracks. So people need to call their MPs, say no to this and they need to become engaged politically and its it can be fun. We're hoping to make it fun, right? but people power is is a is moving and momentum is building
1: yeah it is better when it's fun uh you know these things are very trying i hear from people they're pretty down these 50 minute cities and the you know the digital id and everything that you know it's 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 quite um it's like um, trauma inducing for a lot of people they're worried about all of this well, and you know what what I've noticed,
5: Lurlin, is is because we haven't become democratically engaged, people don't understand that there are tools available to us for that. Like I, I have to say, there's a BC political party called the Conservative Party of British Columbia who called and said, Carrie, can you help us draft policies that will better protect children, that will better protect parental rights, that will change our ability to offer a medical system that's actually about keeping people healthy and not making them sick, um, you know, so there are some movements that some good things that are encouraging Marlin, um, but you know, it takes the work and it takes the dedication and, and maybe, you know, somebody like myself who just knows how to stomp down a few doors. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the door remains open after I finish with it. So.
1: All right. <laughs> I love and that. I'm okay. I'm okay with that now. <laughs> I <know. laughs> i love that and you're such a warrior and and it's just wonderful thank you for all you're doing hopefully everybody uh took down uh the information on how to get a hold of you um yeah. do you do you have a uh, a website that you would like to point everyone to so
5: cultureguard.com okay. if i get a moment over this weekend i haven't even had time to get to our webmaster because we're dealing next week we have a big scandal that i think will be very important to people oh um, Oh yeah, it, it should turn the courts in BC upside down, especially with all these COVID rulings. Oh. So uh, I'll fill you in, and okay. uh, maybe we'll see you sooner maybe than you later. Maybe to Laura come Lynn. back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is a fun one. This is
1: this is fun. Okay. all right. I love it. Thank you so much, Carrie. Thank you for okay. this information, and, and thanks thank you for, for all us. Well, and all that you do, Laura Lynn. It's there's a
5: great group of people out there and everybody's working hard and we will get this done we
1: will okay. get this done we'll right. do it together yep thank you so much take care all right bye okay. for now bye bye thank you wow what a show what a long one uh, so Karen and Carrie storming the world busting those doors down <laughs> oh, I love it I love it I I have said about Carrie Simpson that if you're going to be in a war you want to be in the foxhole she's in <laughs> Right behind her. So it's fantastic. She is really great. Really great. And she's had so much opposition. She's had a lot of people fight against her. Um, The heat that she's taken, she is so strong. She is so strong. Uh, Being called names in the news, uh, being, you know, literally slandered untruthfully for um, her stands, for kids, for all of the things, for Soji, everything that we've had to fight. And I just admire her for doing that. So I consider her just a hero in this this province. Uh, So my name is Laura Lynn Tyler Thompson. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, If you appreciate this kind of information, you can bet you're not getting it on CBC, CTV, or Global. Why we do this is to inform you, to engage you, so that you know what's happening, what's important. Bill C-27, if you know your MP's email, his number, give him a call. I think actually we have all the MPs. Oh, it's probably outdated though on our site, you know, but um, uh, get a hold of your MP, let them know that this is something that you do not want to have. Um, We may have to find ways to fight this, you know, peacefully, peaceful non-compliance with this digital ID. Once they have you, basically they've got you. They know everything about you. Digital ID will change everything. And, you know, if they want to keep promoting these godforsaken vaccines that do not work, that are not true vaccines, and even if they were, they would be a failed vaccine because they do not stop transmission, as we heard Karen say. So this kind of information, it's not available anywhere else, and I pour my heart and soul into being here for you so that we can get this information and our tiny little team. And if you can help us, if you could become a monthly donor, if you could, uh, you know, donate a a one-time donation, you can do that on our website, lauralyn.tv, and make a donation, change a life, and it sure helps us, believe me, so that we can just, you know, keep it going and be be able to focus on doing what God's called us to do. And your contribution, great or small, makes the biggest difference. My webs uh, my email for e-transfers is laurelinlive at protonmail.com. at protonmail.com. And if you watch this show all the way to the end or you know fast forward it if you're watching later, then you'll see our address is right there, box four eight one eight four New Westminster. Thank you very much. If you're interested in gold or silver, we recommend Steve Merrill. And his email is sovereignize at protonmail.com. I just heard somebody saying yesterday. Um, I wrote it down, J.T. Remember, he said. I said he said it's a, a global um, monetary it's um, implosion that that basically we're getting there because all of our countries are overextended. We can't pay back the debt, and when debts get called in, you just got a big problem. So I don't know. I'm not worried about it. I'm going to read to you how I view all of this. I don't want you to worry. I don't want us to be traumatized by what the government's tried. When when there's an assault against you, uh, that's very hard. But I'd like to read to you from Isaiah 35. The desert and the parched land will be glad. I want to be glad. I want to be full of joy and peace that passes all understanding. I want to know that my God will show up for me, that he will vindicate us, that he will show his justice towards us. So when I read Isaiah 35, it gives me hope that the desert and the parched land will be glad, the wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Do you wanna blossom? Do you wanna prosper even at this time? Trust God, be sure that you're tithing to a a local church or to where you feel fed, where you you feel fed spiritually, be sure to offer your tithe, which is your just reward before God. He wants you to to sow into ground that is good. So it says, like the crocus, it will burst into bloom and it will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. I love this. I'm going to jump down to verse three. Whenever I sign an autograph um, and in my books, you know, when I sign, I always put down Isaiah 35, 3-5. Easy to remember because it's 35, 3-5. But it says this, strengthen the feeble knees. Steady the knees that give way. You ever feel like you're so scared your knees are giving way? Like you, you start hearing one more terrible thing. Some of the things we've been through in the last three years, you know, it's, it's caused our knees to shake, even if it's just sort of on the inside. It's just scary. But listen to this. Strengthen the feeble knees and uh, the feeble hands and steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. You have a fearful heart? Be strong, do not fear. Your God will come and he will come with a vengeance a vengeance to save us. Do you believe that today? Because if you do, you start not being afraid at all, right? You start seeing that there is a powerful God who controls everything, by the way. Do not think for a moment that just because so-and-so is in power, that God cannot remove him in a day, in a moment, and that time could be very soon. It could take just the smallest thing to topple a government and bring a sense of relief to a land. That's all, that's all in the hands of God. For those who do not have a healthy fear of God, I say, you're the foolish one, because God is in full control. He has all power. He limits himself to the will of human beings. So that means you might be able to say no to God and not conform with his will, And you have every right to do that because God has given you free will to live any way you want, even to reject God. But if you will acknowledge him, he will direct your paths. And here's the thing. He also is in full control of some of the chaos that's going on. He's in full control of the storm. If there's a storm, God's got it. So it says your God will come. He will come with a vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. I really like that. He's going to show up to save us. Because in another part of this Bible, it says, because he delights in you. And and it says, open the eyes of the blind and the ears of the deaf that cannot hear it. Trust God. It's going to be amazing. See you tomorrow you know it's not easy to deliver the truth of what our sick world is doing but for some of us we feel that we have no choice because if we are silent about these abominable things then we are letting evil go unchecked and we cannot do that for those of you wonderful people who are writing me and are sharing your encouragement i am deeply grateful thank you for all the letters that you've been sending thank you for the donations and the support